sharing some testimonies over dinner with uh, Tracy and Peter and his wife, and, and my son was with me. Uh, I'll mention just a couple of those again. I want to uh, just speak tonight on uh, what I used to call it my shortest message because the sermon's really, really short, but then the explanation of why I do what I do and is uh, longer. So uh, it's, it's, the may, it's long enough message because it's what Jesus preached a lot. So if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or your smartphones, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. This will be our text tonight. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, this word repent is the word metanoia, and it means change the way you think. So basically, Jesus was saying, change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, as an evangelist and as a pastor, many of, uh, I've said it, many of you maybe heard it said. How many of you ever heard this illustration? You're going this way. You think this is the right way. All of a sudden, you get new information. The new information has an effect upon you. You change the way you think. You say, this is not the right way. This is not the way of life. This is the way of death. And so you repent by doing this. And that was repentance. How many of you have ever heard that said? How many of you have ever said it yourself? <laughs> uh, well, it's wrong. It's, it's technically not true. That wasn't repentance. See, you're going this way. You're thinking it's the right way. You get new information. You, because on the base of that, you are now thinking differently. And as you think about it, you said, this is not right. You change the way you're thinking from this is the right way to this is the wrong way. That was repentance. This was the fruit of repentance. The turn wasn't repentance. It was the thinking, I need to turn. That was repentance. Now, what happened to the lights? S something went off on the lights. I need them up as bright as they go. Because <laughs> I can't see you otherwise because they've got these on me. So that's what repentance is, is to change the way you think. So repentance about Salvation is one thing. Repentance about healing is another. Repentance about miracles is another. Bill Johnson says this, a lot of people in church have repented enough to get into the kingdom, but not enough to see the kingdom. Meaning they have, they have changed the way they are thinking about their soul and salvation, but they haven't changed the way they're thinking about what is possible in the kingdom. They have not had a change of thinking. They're still thinking the natural way based upon reason and what's possible in the natural order, but rather than what is possible in the supernatural order of the kingdom of heaven. I wanted to think about what are some of the things that can change the way we think? What are some of the things that can help us, cause us, lead us to experience uh, repentance? And, and I, I know what some of them are. One is testimonies. Uh, 
both audio and visual testimonies that you see. Uh, uh, Another is being in a meeting and the presence of God itself becomes so strong that your faith begins to rise. He is here in so much presence tonight. I remember one time we had a meeting and when I was still meeting, uh, my church was still meeting in a school at the time. We had a just crazy, awesome worship experience on Sunday morning. And on Monday morning, I woke up wide awake from my sleep with this very strong impression. And I knew it was the Lord. He said this, when my presence is in your worship, very strongly, so is my power to heal. It's, it's like he's trying to make me get this connection between a breakthrough in worship opens up heaven and r- realms of healing that you don't normally have. So the worship experience itself, the testimonies, the, the seeing somebody, knowledge of someone who has been healed in your family or friends, you knowing someone that's been healed actually causes you to have a greater expectation than people who have never, they don't know anybody who's ever been healed. They don't know any uh, credible witnesses. These are all things that help add to faith. One of the most important uh, ways is actually understanding the ways of God. Moses in Exodus uh, 33 says, If I found favor, show me your ways that I may know you better. And then in the last part of the same chapter, he's asking not to show me your ways. He's asking, show me your glory. I think that those two being in the same chapter is not any accident because I think when we begin to understand the ways of God, it sets us up to see the glory of God. When we don't understand the ways of God, when we don't have an understanding of the ways of God, when we don't understand the cause, effect, the relationality of gifts to each other, um, when we don't understand it, 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 the opportunities that faith could have arisen because of our, as the prophet said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. There's things that happen that could have been prevented or could have been averted or, or could have been changed if the people of God would have had a better knowledge of the ways of God. <clears throat> when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for example... If we don't understand that the revelatory gifts are used of God to help create the gift of faith, which releases gifts of power. And sometimes, even if it's not the gift of faith that comes, that the measure of faith increases. If we don't see how that cause effect, this affects that, then the same thing can happen in the meeting. The person who understands it, faith rises. The person who has no understanding of the ways of God... It, uh, their faith is not affected at all. Sometimes God just gives a gift of faith. Sometimes God uses other gifts to create the gift of faith or greater measure of faith. I want to talk about words of knowledge tonight and their role in um, healing and, um, and how God will work in meetings to help create faith uh, through words of knowledge. And I also want to share some testimonies. Um, We had um, in Fortaleza, 
I just came from there, and I just interviewed the guy. That This happened three or four years ago, but I just interviewed him last week. Uh, he, he had came to the meeting. Uh, he, he was from uh, Belém, which is in the far part in the north, and in Fortaleza. Uh, uh, he was there, and he had been born with the optic nerve in his right eye not connected to the eye, which means it's impossible to see. Uh, he'd gone to the doctors. They told him you'd never be able to see. He became very uh, successful in business, amassed a lot of money, went back and found the best eye doctor he could find, and they did the same thing. He said, sorry, there's nothing we can do. The only way you'll ever see, there's nothing doctors can do. Only way you'll ever see that eye is you'd have to have a miracle from God. He came to the meeting. I didn't pray for him. Actually, it was my spiritual son, Ed Hosha, who prayed for him. And uh, he got his sight. I mean, the guy is now able to see out of that eye. Now, this had such an impact on his dad, who was a very successful businessman in the north, that they sold their home and they moved to Fortaleza to attend this church where his son had been healed. And, and people, this, this was a very influential family. They, had pe they knew people in high places, uh, people who were quite skeptical of healing. And just as they would tell the story, it would cause people to come to believe that God is real. And many people came to know the Lord out of this guy's testimony. And, uh, you know, it was still strong. I shared with him that one of the greatest miracles I saw. And, we're and I, what I'm talking about tonight in these few stories is creative miracles. Not just healing, creative miracles. This was one. Is either a creative miracle when he attached the eye, back of the, eye, uh, the optic nerve to the back of the eye, or it's a greater miracle, and he's seen wirelessly. I, you know, I, I don't know how, how God did that. Uh, we didn't do a test to see if he's reconnected. All we know is that he can see out of it. But we had another guy uh, come to a meeting, and, and he was prayed for by a guy who um, had never seen anybody healed in his life. And he came on the team just to pray for the sick, to, to experience seeing people get healed. And it told the Lord, bring me an easy one, a headache or a bellyache, nothing hard. Since this is his first time to pray for anybody. And there was about 11,000 people in the meeting, 10,000 in seats and about 1,000 standing around the edge. There's no room. And uh, he came up. We had about 80 people on my team. He came up to this guy who had never prayed for anybody in a wheelchair. He did the interview. He found out the young man in a wheelchair was 25 years old. He's a police officer. He'd been shot. The bullet had gone through his stomach and severed his spine. It wasn't a bruised spine that had swollen and died. It was disconnected, severed by the bullet. And it had been two months ago that it happened. The doctor said, you will never walk uh, again. And when my, this young man, who actually was a recovering alcoholic, and he had wanted to come three years in a row, and he'd be sober all year, and right before the trip would come, he'd fall off the wagon. Then he'd feel so guilty he wouldn't come. So this year, he did not fall off the wagon. He's maintained sobriety, and uh, he, he's, on the, he's on the team. Never had anybody healed in his life, but came down to learn. So he said, I had a little bit of faith. I interviewed him, found out what was wrong. My little faith went weaker. I prayed, stopped and re-interviewed, which is part of the process of what we tell people they should do, find out what's wrong, you know, decide what, how to pray, pray 
and then stop and re-interview and see what God's doing. So I re-interviewed him. Is anything happening? Do you feel anything? Can you move anything? Can, do you sense anything? Anything at all? Anywhere? No. He said, my little bit of faith. Now I have no faith. I really know. I don't have any faith at all. But I remembered something you'd written that we had to study before we went down that you know that we can't heal anybody. Only God can heal. And we don't have, that you don't have any burden on us to heal anybody. God's the healer. But you do place a burden on us that you expect us to treat them in a way that they'll feel loved and respected and honored. That you treat them as a person, not a condition. You're not dealing with a demon. You're dealing with a person with a demon. You're not dealing with a person that has a condition. You're not dealing with that condition. You're dealing with the person. And so he, he said, I just thought if I stop praying now, this young man is going to feel like he's not worth much. That he doesn't have value. That if I would, even though I don't expect him to get healed, I do think if I pray a little longer, he at least will feel loved. And he said, that's why I was praying, that he'd feel loved. But the guy praying had missed his sleep, missed the plane, so he'd been up two days straight, no sleep. It's getting close to midnight now. He said, I've got one hand on his chest, one hand on his back. And his, his, wheel, his wheelchair is facing that way. I'm praying from behind him, but I'm getting sleepy because I haven't slept in 48 hours or longer. So my head is coming down now. And as I pray longer, my head now is on his shoulder. And right before I started snoring, the guy jumped out of the wheelchair, turned around, grabbed me, and his shirt literally was soppy wet with tears as the man was just weeping, 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 and walked off. And I wished I could tell you that I was a, yeah, I wish, I celebrate that, but I wished I could tell you I was really mature, but I wasn't. I had a problem with that. I went to bed that night. I was frustrated at God. I said, God, that's not fair. I've been praying for over 30 years for people in wheelchairs, and I've only seen two get out of them, and they weren't, weren't when I was praying right there. I was just praying for the platform, and they got out. So that doesn't really count. That's that, that was his first time to pray for anybody. God, that's... But then I came to my senses and realized his prayer, his victory is my victory because we're one body. Any Christian's prayer that got, somebody got healed is all of our victory. And this testimony belongs to all of us. Now, you may not have been there, but that testimony is now your testimony that you can share because it's, we're one part of one body. Well, anyway, I kind of, anyway, for the next two or three weeks, every time that we'd go somewhere, I would get up and say, this man right there, he prayed for somebody that's paraplegic and got out of a wheelchair. And I'd point him out. And then when ministry time came, everybody in wheelchairs and on crutches were coming to him. <laughs> Last December, we, in, we were in uh, Teofilo uh, Otoni, which is an Italian town in southern Brazil. Uh, southern Brazil was, was uh, there's a lot of Mennonites, there's a lot of Italians, and there's a lot of Germans in southern Brazil. And uh, 
while we're there, there's this guy I'm praying for. And this guy is in excruciating pain. And I understand that because I've had two very severe back injuries. One at 18 from a car accident when I was... I myself was almost paralyzed. Every vertebra in my back was uh, fractured in that uh, one accident. And uh, I had compression of uh, uh, vertebrae disc in the thoracic, mid-thoracic area. And I was on 50 milligram of Demerol, uh, morphine derivative, every three hours. And uh, through prayers of my church, I, I was healed. Uh, my jaw set itself and all the, you know, a long story. I'm not going to tell you the story, but I got healed. But I know what pain is like enough so that after two and a half hours, and I come to and, and half an hour before the next shot, I start begging for the shot because I felt like a three-inch bladed knife was being stuck in my back. And so, and then uh, about five, four or five years ago now, at, um, I ended up with um, two hernia, uh, three herniated discs and two pinched nerves uh, one was the longest nerve in your body. And I was told by a, a back surgeon that that's the most painful nerve to have pinched, and I had it pinched. And I had one on my left leg going down to the foot, and then one through the groin coming down to the knee on the inside. Uh, uh, is is miserable. And I was on Percocet and couldn't stand, couldn't sit, just laying on a pallet and or going to the physical therapy on crutches and come back and lay down again. Uh, for 90 days, and then a guy, less West Monroe, Louisiana, a guy I knew, was in a little church, less than 100 people there, and God gave him a vision of me, and uh, from the back, and he saw my clothes come off, my skin come off, my flesh come away, and he saw my skeleton, and my neurological system, and the Lord showed him the three uh, discs uh, where the nerve was. Uh, they were herniated into two pinched nerves. And the three discs that were herniated, they had uh, ruptured and the, some of the squishy stuff inside had squirted out. And the Lord told him, now push it back in. So there he is in an open vision acting out what he's seeing and what the Lord's telling him to do. The next morning when I woke up, I reached for my crutches, touched my foot to the floor accidentally, but it didn't hurt. That was different. So I actually stood up on it. It didn't hurt. I walked on it. It didn't hurt. I went, the real test go up steps. I turned around and went up the stairway. didn't hurt. I yelled at my wife, I've been healed, but I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, I'd had Heidi pray for me. Bill Johnson pray for me. I'd had, you know, uh, Leif Hetland pray for me. Bob, John Arnott pray for me. I, I mean, I had uh, lots of people from all over the world, they either went, came by the house and prayed for me or they called me and prayed for me or Skyped me and prayed for me. And I didn't get healed when any of those prayed. The, the first part of the healing, I was 24-7 in pain even when I didn't have my foot to the floor. My son called from, on Skype, my oldest son, from Japan and prayed. And as soon as that prayer was over, the pain was gone unless I touched my foot to the floor. So it was a partial healing. Then was, this was the last of it. And I received healing. So I, I have sympathy for people who have a, a lot of pain. So I'm praying for this guy down in this Italian town. And you can look at his face and know that he, he's grimacing. He is in really severe pain. And I know the moment he got healed, because in the moment he was healed, his facial expression changed. I didn't even have to ask him. I, I, I knew that he had just been healed. He had severe pain shooting down his legs. Well, 
right after that happened, I'm still there talking to him, and all of a sudden I hear this woman scream. And I mean, it was a blood-chilling scream. It wasn't really a big building. Uh, it probably seated only three or 400 people. And, uh, and everybody is looking around at what's going on, and we see this little crowd forming. So we go over there to uh, look and see what's going on. And there's this woman, the one who had screamed. She had been in a car accident. You can see there's a big scar. It starts here. It comes down right across her eye and then down through here. And you can see this big scar. Well, she had a prosthetic eye because the eye had been so destroyed, there's just a nub of an eye left way back in the back that sat so far back that it looks so bad that she had a glass eye or prosthetic eye. And she'd pulled it out. And the reason she's pulling it out, because the eye behind it was growing. And we, we actually had an eye doctor there, and we're watching it increase in size and watching its cornea and pupil begin to form, going from white to dark and getting to the point that uh, they take a flashlight and doing like that in the eye, and you'd see it change. So we were watching an eye be not, not, not it wasn't totally gone, but it was a, at least a third of its normal size growing back in. I'd never seen that happen. It made me excited. It was hard to go to sleep when it happened. You know, in the same meeting where the guy had no optic nerve connected to the back of his eye, there was a woman, and she was uh, 17 years old. And this was a large place with several thousand people there. And uh, she's not seated out there. Uh, she's seated way over here behind the pulpit, off to the side. She can't see anything, and she's deaf in both ears. Stone deaf, completely, 100% deaf in both ears from birth. Now, I understand, and I'll talk tonight about how words of knowledge help create faith, one of the ways of God. But what I don't understand is how this happened. So a person on the team gave a word of knowledge for a problem in the right ear. Now, she can't hear. It's English anyway, translated into Portuguese, but she can't hear, doesn't know any words. And she can't see because she's over here to the far off. She can see, but she's at a distant angle where she can't see. So when the person on the team gave the word of knowledge, just released it about a healing of the right ear, the woman starts slapping her ear and going like this to her mother indicating because they had they didn't they didn't have american sign language they just had their own made up language she's hearing now i don't know how that happened we don't even know what's happening four or five people later somebody on the team gave another word of knowledge for the left ear same thing happened instantly she starts slapping her left ear and going like this and it opened so we go over there to see what's going on while others are still giving words of knowledge and the father is in shock. That's the only way I can explain it because he's cool, calm, collected, like giving a commentary. Well, this is my daughter. She's been born deaf in both ears. She's never been able to hear anything, and her ears just opened up. So we, we so you got to give this testimony. So we bring him over here. It took us about five minutes to get through the crowd to get over, and by the time he gets up on the platform. This time, Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected is no longer in shock, and he's in touch with reality. And this time, he doesn't. He says, <laughs> My daughter, she, she couldn't hear. 
quite different. It was a creative miracle. One of the, uh, tomorrow night you'll see this one, I think. But there was this guy in this Baptist church, Agua Vida's uh, Living Waters Baptist Church in Mawa, Brazil. And he, two months ago, had had surgery. I think he had uh, two bars and four metal pins. And you can see a huge scar that's still pink where, where the staples had been, this big, right in the lumbar area. He's in so much pain, he can't sit anymore. He can't stand. He's in so much pain, he's getting ready to leave. He just can't stand anymore. The pain levels are so high. And he hears me say that God is going to heal people with metal in their body. And we're going to start praying for people with metal in their body. Well, he gets healed. So he comes up on the platform. And having had uh, two spinal injuries and knowing what that pain's like, and my executive director having to have two surgeries, including metal put in, which we don't understand because he actually prayed for a woman, had the same thing he had, which was a stenosis so bad that the cord, your spinal cord is almost perfectly round, the size of a quarter, and his had been reduced to arthritis to about, you couldn't put a finger through it. And the doctor said, you, he, because we, he was believing for his healing, didn't want to have the surgery, but the doctor said, we cannot wait. We can't wait even a few days. You have to have it. So he had actually two surgeries because the first one didn't work like it should have, and he had to have another one about a year later. And I've watched him now two years because it takes when this nerve has been pinched coming because it was the spinal cord and then he had another nerve pinched this way it the nerve heals on its own at usually about one inch a month so if you have a nerve that starts in your spine comes out to the hip and comes down to your foot it's going to take many months it's going to take almost three years for that nerve to regenerate now He's two years in, and he's still, I see him walking slowly, and some days are bad, some days are good, but it's, you know, he's getting better. I said that to say this. I have a lot of firsthand information from myself and my best friend about back injuries and different kinds of problems in backs. So what this guy did, every time, and I've seen this video over a hundred times, uh, every time I watch it, my my jaw drops and I'm amazed because he walks in, in just in, in a matter of minutes he moves from severe pain wanting to leave, he's in so much pain on heavy narcotics to he's up and he's jumping up and down, he's bending over and touching his toes he's doing his back like this bending over and touching his toes and jumping up and down about that high off the ground when minutes before he was more like this because it hurt to move so bad. What should have taken at least three years after surgery to get that nerve healed happened in, in minutes. Change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand.
when I try to teach about words of knowledge, I think of two illustrations. One of them is blind Bartimaeus. Now, it's actually not a word of knowledge, but it portrays what a word of knowledge is. Now, why am I belaboring this and talking about and spending time on this? Because when I first met Omar Cabrera, who's a famous healing evangelist from Argentina, who's gone to be with the Lord now, he up, was up in his 70s. But when I first met him, um, he just began to teach me, do not give words of knowledge, do not minister in words of knowledge until the people understand, until you teach. And I'm assuming that some of you, many of you may already know, but some may not. And it's very important because he said, if you give words of knowledge and they don't have understanding, it will not create faith. At best, it will create curiosity. But if they have understanding, and to the degree they have understanding, it creates faith. That's why the, the, the more precise the word is, the more faith it will create. Because to say somebody has a lower back pain doesn't create much faith because all of us know there's probably a lot of people who have lower back pain. That's not going to give you much faith. And if they don't understand it, they don't want to respond. I remember I was in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, doing a meeting with Jack Taylor. And I got this word of knowledge, and I felt it in my lumbar. And I, when I go to doctor's office, I go to chiropractor, when I would go to, I mean, I look, I, when they're gone, I sit there and study the charts. Because I want to understand how the body works, where different things are have a little more information, a little more language. And so I kind of knew that this location would be close to the third lumbar vertebra. Uh, then I had an impression. It was a man. Then I had a mental picture. I saw a man tripping over a green hose. Now, the only green hose I'd ever seen was a green garden hose. And so I got up. And I said, somebody's here. You got something wrong with your third lumbar vertebra. Nobody stood up. I said, uh, it's your, you're a man. You have something wrong with your third lumbar vertebra. Still, nobody stood up. I said, uh, you got hurt by tripping over a green uh, garden hose. And nobody stood up. I gave other words of knowledge. People stood up for every one of them but that one. That was the strongest one. I said, I don't understand this. I know I'm hearing from God. I know that you're here. You have something wrong with your third lumbar vertebra. And you're a man. And you tripped over a green garden hose. Finally, the guy said, I'm not used to this, I'm, but, but I was about to stand up until you said garden hose. I, I, I work at the airport. I tripped over a green aeronautical hose, <laughs> not a garden hose. So sometimes you don't want to overinterpret. Another time, I was in Indiana. I think it was Indiana. And I, I had this word, it was like fifth cervical vertebra. And I had an impression. I felt it. And then I had an impression as a woman. And then I had another impression, very strong, 53. So I said, there's somebody here, you're a woman, you have a problem in your fifth cervical vertebra, and it radiates out to the right, and uh, you're a woman, and you're 53 years old. And nobody stood up. And it was the strongest word I had all night. All the other words people stood up for, people got healed, but that, the strongest one, nobody stood up for. And I said, I don't know what's going on. So finally, after the 
the meeting time came to laying on of hands, and I'm just down with the rest of the team, down there praying. As soon as I get down and start praying, four women came up to me within five minutes, and they all said the same thing. I was about to stand up until you said I was 53 years old. I'm not 53 years old. I was born in 1953. And I learned that sometimes don't overinterpret. So when I get numbers anymore, I say, I don't know what they mean. Here, here's the number. <laughs> you interpret it yourself. Let the Holy Spirit interpret it because I, you know, I, I missed it on numbers twice. Words of knowledge, Mark chapter 10. No. Yeah, yeah, Mark chapter 10. It's blind Bartimaeus. And blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus come by, and so he yells out very loudly, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And does it many times. Jesus hears him. Jesus is going to send a disciple to give him a message. But before Jesus sends the disciple, another disciple on his own decided to go with a message. And his message was this. Shh, be still. Be quiet. We have too many disciples of Jesus taking it on their own to tell others who are believing and standing in faith for prayer and healing to give up, to be quiet. Because we don't want their hopes to be crushed. And we have found out a way to keep people's hope from being crushed. Steal all their hope. Take all hope away. Well, leave me alone. Let me die in faith, with hope, then no hope and discouragement. I'd, I'd rather fight the fight of faith than be in despair. So, blind Bartimaeus, he doesn't listen to that first guy. So now, Jesus gives a disciple a message for blind Bartimaeus. Now, that's the word of knowledge. I mean, it's, it is a illustration of what a word of knowledge is because a word of knowledge is Jesus the Lord of the church is speaking to disciples today with a message for somebody in that meeting sometimes they may know who it is most of the time they don't know who it is but they know what it is here's the message for somebody there that's what a word of knowledge is now what's the effect of a word of knowledge I will show you so the disciple goes over to blind Bartimaeus and he says on your feet be encouraged. That's why when I give words of knowledge, I ask people to stand up. One, because I want them to be engaged, not sitting idly waiting to feel something before they have any responsibility, but drawing them into the process, drawing them, asking, looking for something and faith in them that they do something. And the Lord told me, don't let people sit passively if they are the respondent of if they have the word of knowledge have them stand up immediately so I say he said be encouraged on your feet he is calling you four words he Jesus is calling you created in blind Bartimaeus took him from desperation into faith do you know there's a big difference between desperation and faith there really is there's a big difference between need and faith and he's crying out he needs to be healed he's desperate Jesus passing by and when he heard those words he stood one of the gospels says he threw his cloak to the ground now this was a special cloak that had been given to him by the synagogue and the synagogue was like the 
they checked out because they wanted to find out when somebody was legitimately disabled and when somebody was running a scam or a con. Because there's nothing worse to hurt the people who really are disabled than people running scams and cons on them. It causes people to be more hesitant. So that the synagogue would check them out. And if they were literally really, uh, disabled, they gave them a special cloak. This was the, the method of social security disability in the first century for the Jewish people. It really is. <clears throat> it's the way the system worked. And so when you saw that cloak, you were to give them alms. You were to give to those people because that's what God is requiring of you. So when he hears the words, he is calling you, stands up. He really was encouraged. So much so, he takes off the cloak and throws it to the ground. He's breaking his identity as blind Bartimaeus because he believes because he heard these words. He is calling you. Jesus is calling you. Well, if he's calling me, that gave him the belief that he's going to be healed. Goes to Jesus. Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He says, I want to see. And you think, well, that's a dumb question that Jesus would ask the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? But not necessarily. See, a few years ago, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, I was doing a meeting. In this meeting was a Nigerian woman born deaf from birth. She understood sign language. Her sister could sign to her. She is beginning to get her hearing. And we're teaching her the sounds of her name and short sentences. And we would say it to her. She'd listen. And then her sister would sign to her, this is what, you, what it means. And then she'd try and repeat it. It was really fun because this woman is born deaf and she's being healed. Well, in the same night was another woman who had been blind for 30 years after six surgeries for one out of half a million people gets this rare disease, causes them to go blind. And she had been blind for 30 years. And she is getting her sight. As we're praying for her, she said, I saw your nose first, and then I began to see your ears, and all of a sudden I could see your whole face. And, and uh, she went home that night. Or, uh, and the next day she came back and she's. I interviewed her, and I said, what did your husband think when he realized you could see? And she giggled, and she is Hispanic. She couldn't speak English, but her, sister, her daughter was translating for her. And she said, uh, uh, he said, now that you can see me, will you still love me? You see, men are concerned about their body proportions, mainly because of their wives. If it wasn't for the opposite sex, they wouldn't care how big the belly got or how little the chest was or how pear-shaped they are. They wouldn't really care that much. It's because of wanting to look good in the eyes of the significant other that we do things we normally wouldn't do, like diet, not have that second Coke, you know, uh, eat better exercise well when your wife has gone blind <laughs> for 30 years he didn't look the same 
Daddy did when she went blind. Now here's the part I was going with that story. What do you want me to do for you? Sounds like a dumb question. Ask a blind man. But it's not. Because if he's blind, he doesn't have any trade. Doesn't know how to do anything. Doesn't have any means of making a living. Because he's been living off of alms because of his blindness. It's scary to think about starting life over with no skills. So, the woman who was deaf in both ears, when somebody told her a few weeks later, now that you're hearing, you're no longer disabled, you're going to lose your disability. She had no skills. She had been reliant upon her disability because she was deaf. Being deaf with disability was less threatening to her than hearing without disability and no skills, and she instantly went deaf again. And never heard again. But the woman who was blind, that could see, she had a husband. She didn't have to worry about fending for herself. She became an usher at the church. Hi, Tracy. Nice to see you today. So glad you're here. It's hard to be an usher when you're blind. You need to see who you're welcoming. It's not a dumb question. What do you want me to do for you? And he, want, she want, he wanted to see and she wanted to see as well. Words of knowledge. I worked with Omar Cabrera in Guatemala City at a church by Harold Caballeros called El Shaddai. It had about 25,000 uh, people in the church. And they had multiple service. They had at the time a tent to seat 2,500. They had multiple service over the weekend to accommodate the whole size of the congregation. So uh, Carlos, I mean not Carlos, but um, Omar Cabrera and I are doing alternate nights. And I watched him. And I I'd learned about words of knowledge from Blaine Cook and John Wimber. But I learned more about word of knowledge and how to work, pray for using word knowledge in crowd situations from Omar Cabrera. Because he would say this. He'd give a word of knowledge and he'd say, if you have the word of knowledge, I want you to stand up immediately. After you stand up, if you begin to feel something's happening, changing, pain's getting better, pain's getting, anything, pain moving, anything's changing, you feel something change, your body, put your hand in the air. If your condition then, after you've done that, starts getting better, wave one hand. The moment you're at least 80%, wave both hands like this. After it's over, I said, Omar, I've never seen that done. Why did you do that? Why did you ask him to stand up immediately? He said, Randy, you have a lot to learn about working with crowds. There's what you call crowd psychology and how faith relates to that. If I give several words of knowledge and nobody stands up because they're going to wait and stand up at the end, after I've given four or five, they're going to think I'm missing God. I can't hear from God. And their faith is going to start going down because of a misunderstanding, because the crowd doesn't understand the importance that they play in helping create an atmosphere of faith and where much more can happen. Now, hype, I hate hype. 
Wimber hated hype. I hate hype. Hype is when you're saying God's doing something when he's not. I've been in meetings where I've seen the person minister say, this is the mighty move of God. God is in this place. There's so many wonderful things happening. And I'm looking around and saying, this, that's not true. I was with my, my daughter. My adult daughter was with me one time. And we were with this evangelist. And he was doing that. And I whispered in her ear, this is hype. Just, I want you to know, this is hype. If you hype things enough, you're like Chicken Little crying, the, 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 the sky is falling, the sky is falling. After a while, people won't believe you. And it, in long term, will actually hurt the meetings. Now, when ministers hype, they're hurting the meeting. But the opposite of hype is what often happens in the meeting where the people hurt the meeting. And how is that? It's when you don't recognize what God is doing. It's the opposite of hype. And people, again, it creates a misperception. That's why if you do have what's called out, you should stand up immediately after a while. If you begin to feel anything happening, because 50% of the people that get healed, they do feel something. 50% of the people get healed, don't feel anything. Both of them get healed. But if you are beginning to feel something, it's good to know. When people, they put their hand up. If it begins to get, you know, wave one hand. Even to this day, after 20 years, I still can't get this part. I just, people won't do it. I don't know why. It would really be helpful. I have to really work hard. You know, I have to, it's when I'm about to quit praying. I said, if you weren't healed, but you're getting better, but you're not 80%, will you wave one hand? Because if it's not happening, anybody, we're going to quit. Then they wave their hand. I said, okay, if God's touching you, then we need to pray again. So, when people see God is actually there, these are his words. People have the conditions. People are being touched. It creates faith. I said, then why do you say 80%? Why don't you just say those, when you're healed, do this? He said, Randy. I start inspecting for the people who are being healed just moments after giving the words of knowledge. Minutes at best, few, few minutes at best. That's not much time. And there will be many people that are 80% better, which is significant. Don't say 50, that's not enough. It won't create the awe effect. They, it needs to be more than that. Don't say 25. However, I mean, I said, I really realized one place that would be different. Failed back surgeries, if you have to have a second back surgery and you get 10% better, doctors think that's pretty good. If you get 20% better after failed back surgery, the second surgery, they think that's great. Now, when we were counting, we, we had to be 80% before we counted it. I realized now I need to really you know, realize that, hey, even 30% would be really, really great. But we've been saying 80% for all these years. So... He said, there'll be people that are 80%, 85%, 90%, 95%, even 98% better. But because they're not 100%, they think the way that they're healed would be disingenuous, wouldn't be the truth because they're thinking, I need to be 100% healed. So you give them permission to wave their hands if they are really manifestation of 80% or more. Now, I'm not asking anybody 
I do not want somebody to wave their hands that they're healed because they're confessing the healing. I understand it. I have no issue with that, except we are testifying to what God has, what, what is manifested. And we don't want to count somebody that they are healed and say they were healed when they were confessing their healing, but it hasn't manifested yet. You understand? So he said, there will be many more people, percentage-wise, that will wave their hands or 80% than if you go 100%. And when 80% is enough and significant healing to make the people feel, wow, that's amazing. And often, many of them will go ahead before they even get to give their testimony. They'll now be 100%. So I, I understood it. And I'd been given words of knowledge probably, for, I don't know, for over a decade when I learned that. So I go down to Omar Cabrera, uh, to Argentina, and I'm going to go to six cities, Buenos Aires, Santa Fe, end up in Cordoba, and several others, don't remember what their, name were, their names were. And so I'm in Omar's church that he has built in Buenos Aires. And Omar is a famous healing evangelist, and he flows in word of knowledge. I have Victor Lorenzo, who's a son of the leader of the Baptist denomination for Argentina, is my translator. And so I, I told them what I told you. And I said, now, when you're at least 80%, I want you to, to do this. So I gave words of knowledge, four or five words of knowledge. People stood up, and about one-fourth of the people that stood up stood up instantly doing this. And I think they don't understand. I said, Victor, tell them not to do that until they're healed. Don't do that because they're confessing their healing. Do it when it has to manifest. He told them. We gave, I gave five or six more words of knowledge. Again, uh, scores of people stood up, and, and about a fourth of them were doing this again. I said, Victor, they still don't get it. Tell them not to do that. Tell them only do that when they're healed. He told them a second time. I gave some more words of knowledge. Again, a bunch of people stood up. About a fourth of them are doing this again. I said, Victor, we have a communication problem here. They don't understand. Tell them not to do that until they're healed. He looked at me and said, Randy, they understand. You're the one that doesn't understand. He, and he, I'll never forget what he said to me. You have God in a box. You don't expect God to heal until you pray. This, you don't know where you're at. This church was established on the gift of healing connected to word of knowledge. This church probably understands word of knowledge better than any church uh, you know, other, other than other churches that Omar started because that's the way he works. He explains it. They understand it. And when they understand it, they understand if God has said he wants to do it, at, you know, at least a fourth of them had an, a career, brought them into enough faith that they got healed. Now, others got healed when we did pray, but I had never seen that happen. And that I had been praying for, um, at least uh, 11 or 12 years by word of knowledge for people and had never seen that happen. I saw that happen in every church I went to in all those six cities. And then I came back to the United States. I came back to the United States and I was at a vineyard church in um, North Carolina. And I told them the same story I just told you. I said, guys, I've never seen this happen in the United States. But I saw it happen in every city I went to when I just came back from Argentina. Now, do you think God is stronger in Argentina than he is America? They said, no. I said, do you think disease is stronger here? The same disease is stronger here than it is in Argentina. And they said, no. 
And said, then the only difference between what I had, have seen for 11 years in the United States and nobody ever got healed until we prayed and what I just saw in Argentina and people got healed every time before I prayed is what the people in the pew are expecting. The difference, I'm the same person now, I, I, and, but, but I so expect this that I'm going to give God the opportunity to do it. I want to tell you, you can get healed before I pray. I give you permission. You can get healed before there's prayer. And if you don't expect to be healed until there's a prayer, you won't be healed. Because you've connected it to the prayer. It's not the prayer that heals you. It's faith that heals you. And let me explain a little bit about that. It's not even faith that heals you. It's God's power that heals you. Now, Jesus said the warmth is your blood. Your faith has made you whole. And to, in the same chapter, to two blind guys, um, be it done to you according to your faith. So let me explain what, I, what I, that statement I just made. It's not faith that heals us, but it's power of God that heals us. How many of you believe your key will start your car? Just, just lift up your hand. Your key will start your car. Okay, your key will not start your car. Your key can't start your car. It's the starter that starts your car. Your key is what causes the starter to work. Your faith is what releases the power of God. It's his power. Because to the woman who was healed, he said, "By your, uh, uh, your faith has healed you. Literally, he felt his power go out of him. And she felt it in her. She's trembling. And she perceived in her body she was healed. So you say, yes, her faith healed her. No, her faith drew on the anointing. The anointing healed her. Faith is to the anointing for healing what the key is to the starter. Does that make sense? So if that's the case, some people, when they hear the word of knowledge and they have understanding, it just takes them into this faith. So the second thing I always tried to share at these meetings uh, oh, by the way, let me finish that story. So, I gave some words of knowledge. On the first word of knowledge, the senior pastor got healed. But he didn't stand up and do this. He waited to the second word. But he told me later, he said, I got healed on that first word. But I didn't stand because I thought they would think you and I had done this. You know, that, that we were, you know, we were manipulating the crowd. So, I, I, even though I was healed instantly, the first word, I waited to the second word to stand you know? Okay. For 11 years, I had never seen anybody get healed by giving a word of knowledge until I prayed. That night, and almost every night since, for 10 years, I see people get healed by word of knowledge before I pray for them. None before for 11 years, and almost 100% of the time, not quite, but at least probably 98% of the time, people are healed. But I, I so expected, I inspect. I so expect, I inspect. One of the things that threw off my study on, on the healing of people with metal in their body was too many people were getting healed watching the video or when I asked them to do something they couldn't before I prayed, that it really made this percentage of people getting healed by the prayer look worse than what it was because they were getting healed before I prayed. Which is a construct failure.
Okay. My last illustration I usually give almost every time about this, trying to explain it. We didn't really understand what words of knowledge were until Blaine came to my church in 1984 in March. And in three days, we watched scores of people get healed, including family member and church members connected to word of knowledge. Now, prior to that, we knew nothing about word of knowledge at all to speak of. So my wife is on the front row. She had watched her dad die a, a really horrible death from alcoholic cirrhosis and uh, uh, lupus erythematosus combined. And, and she watched him just terrible death. And she now has like PTSD from the trauma of watching her dad die like that. And uh, she can't get the memories out. And she's off work. Uh, she's got uh, TMJ really bad. Told she's going to have to have surgery. So Blaine has gone to Denver, and we're left with this guy named Ken Fish, who at that time was a sold, exchanged currency, made money in selling, sell, buying currencies, and uh, and 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 he's getting uh, getting ready to speak. And he said, "This morning when I was taking a shower, God told me He's going to heal somebody. You have TMJ. My wife had TMJ. When she heard that, she jumped up and says, and she said, "That's me!" and ran to the front. From the front row, just and then she realized, oh no, but they didn't even tell me to come up here. Maybe I did something wrong. And she's embarrassed. And then all of a sudden, she's healed. Nobody prayed for her. What healed her? She understood word of knowledge. She made the connection. She was healed by the word. So. Many times I would look over a crowd and I'd pick somebody out and say, well, if you, if, you know, if Jesus came and stood in front of you and you saw him in a meeting and a vision, and he already appeared to you and he called you and said, I want to heal you tonight. How would that affect you? And, and uh, some, I mean, many times actually the person I call on does have need of healing. And I really felt like, I realized after a while, I'm just made those random choices were not random choices. That I, they were so subtle. I didn't know God was leading me, but I was actually picking people and they were getting healed. So then I started being more intentional about it, looking around a little bit and just trying to, think, you know, who God. So I was in, I was in Brazil, and I, uh, we, it was a really big, big church with thousands of members. And off to the left, I thought, now I am getting older, I admit it. My sight's not as good as it was. It's still pretty good. But I'm, I think I see, a, you know, a 40, 50-year-old blonde-headed woman. And so I think I'll just choose her. So I said, this lady over here, and I start walking toward her. I have to come down off the platform, walking good little ways to her. And the closer I get, the more I see she's not blonde, and she's not 40 or 50. That's gray. That's not blonde. And she's probably in her 70s. And, and, and I didn't see. Then there's a cane underneath her chair. And, and I'm thinking as I'm walking closer, oh, you picked a really hard one. <laughs> and, and so before the night was over, she was healed and she walked out with the cane over her head. And the team, the young guys with me said, oh, Randy, you are really gutsy. That old woman you picked, couldn't you have picked somebody easier? I mean, she had a cane and she was old. You had faith. You really are gutsy. And I said, no. I thought she was a 45, 50-year-old blonde-headed woman. I couldn't, I, this bad eyesight, it wasn't guts. <laughs> Teach me your ways is what I'm trying to do. 
cause you to have understanding. See, 1 Corinthians, not 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, talks about in Christ Jesus, it's not yes and no, but it's yes. And all the promises are yes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The number one way God glorifies his name is through signs and wonders in the Bible. There's nothing even comes close to the way God glorifies his name. But the amen being spoken by us is what is to the glory of God. So the promise, his, God is not a man that he should lie. So if he said he's going to do something, he wants to do it. He doesn't, he's not lying. And so a word is, God, you ever heard the word, a man is as good as his word? Well, how good is God? And when he tells us he wants to do something, he's faithful to that word. But he's looking for faith on the other side. He's looking for the amen to be spoken in the heart. He's, and, and here's the thing. I think we can go to a whole new level in healing when there's a corporate understanding that the amen is spoken not by the person that's sick, but it's spoken by us. That right now in America, we're still so much in that frontier, pioneer attitude of you get a word, it's for you. You have faith, brother. You have faith, sister. It's not incumbent upon us to add our faith to yours. But that passage in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians is saying, and so if a word is coming to somebody in the congregation, we should engage our, stay engaged ourselves, and add our, it's like the, the, the four men is laying their friend, letting their friend down through the roof. And Jesus had seen their faith. Their faith. And so there, I believe there's something about God is looking for a corporate faith. That when a word comes, there's a corporate understanding that we are adding our faith to the person who has the need. And we can begin to see not just healings, but miracles. Like would be extraordinary miracles. Because whole congregations are staying connected to the word for somebody else. So they're not so just selfishly wanting to believe for themselves. I believe this is a truth that once it gets into the hearts of the people, you're going to see greater breakthroughs. Now, it's not important who the word of knowledge comes from. doesn't matter whether if your mailman is 80 years old or 20. Male or woman, it doesn't make any difference. The male person... Their responsibility is to deliver the mail. Sometimes we must put our faith in the person delivering the mail rather than faith in the person that sent the mail. And so if Benny Hinn gives a word of knowledge, it's like, oh man, faith rises. But if somebody we don't know gives a word of knowledge, people don't have as much faith. The issue is, was it accurate? Was it an accurate word of knowledge? We had a woman with us on a trip once in her 70s. Demure. A little bit quirky. Dressed a little funny. But she was so accurate with her words of knowledge. And at first, I kind of looked at the package. I wasn't expecting too much. 
because I was judging the package. And in this meeting, she said, here's her word of knowledge. I see a string in the middle of a room with a banana hanging on it. My executive director and I think, boy, she sure missed that. We, we're embarrassed for how bad that's off. And this woman starts weeping. She's not saved. A few weeks before, she had gone to a spiritist healer in witchcraft type stuff. And they told her, if you want to get free of this problem you have, you hang a banana on a string from the middle of your house. And she had hung a banana on a string because the spiritist told her to do it. So this woman on our team, elderly woman, her 70s little, you know, she said, I see a string with a banana hanging on it. But it was so accurate that the woman knew that that was her. She got healed and then was led to Jesus Christ. Because what the spiritists couldn't do, God had done. A friend of mine is a prophet. One day he was in the anointing and getting all these types of really prophetic stuff for people. And he's beginning to feel good about himself because he is just hitting it so accurately all over the place. And he told me this himself. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to him and said, you see that little boy there with Down syndrome? Yes. Pick him up. He picked up the boy and put him on his hip. And instantly, the spirit of prophecy came on that boy. And the boy with Down syndrome starts doing the same thing he had been doing. <laughs> and the Lord said, it's me, not you. <laughs> now, I said that to say this. Sometimes when people of the local church that you know, because you're not really grounded yet in the concept, these things happen by grace, not by merit. And if they may not be the best person you think they ought to be. And so they get a word from God. It's a grace, a grace word. This word for gift is gracelet, charismatic, which is the word charismatic. We, we think, well, this can't, that can't be that person's couldn't be right don't judge the package have as much faith in the sender not the male person now tonight i believe we're going to see people get healed by word of knowledge we're going to see people get healed by watching a video and we're going to see people get healed by trying to do something they can't do as an act of faith I think we'll see all three of those things. Now, I don't know how many people are here tonight. I'm saying there's probably about 60. Uh, we almost always see 10% of the people get healed. Sometimes we see 20%. If it's a really good night, sometimes we see 30% of the people get healed in a meeting. That'd be 18 if we had 30%. I remember once I, I started studying this. I've been ministering uh, for many years and keeping track in my head of the number of people present and the number of people getting healed. And I realized first time I went to Bill Johnson's church that it was 3%. If we had 1,000 people there, 30 people would get healed, 30 people get saved, and 30 people would get delivered. It was just, I don't, it'd been going that way for about uh, a year or two. And I'm, I'm ministering and uh, I counted, the, and that's 30 for the whole night. That's from the platform is about 50% or 15 of them. And then 15 more would be healed through the ministry team at the end. It's about 50-50 if you have a pretty good-sized ministry team. So I prayed, and there were 25 people that got healed 
through the word of knowledge, time, and the prayer. Now, this is before these other things I told you about. And I'm ready to quit. I'm thinking, boy, that's good. That's 25. That's more than normal. That's 10, that's 10 over normal. And, uh, and, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to pray the way Abraham did for Sodom and Gomorrah. Except instead of going down, go up according to the level of your faith. It was so clear. I told the people, this is what I think I just heard God say. How many do you think we ought asking for? And we, we ended up saying, well, let's ask him for 50. We had 25. So we gave some more words of knowledge. We prayed and counted again. And now the total was 57. So I said, well, you think anybody's still sick? Yeah. Anybody still need some healing? Yeah, they're still sick. Okay. Well, let's go again. We're going to ask him for 75. We gave words, prayed, counted, 75. So we went for it one more time. Say, we're going to ask God for 100. Normal would have been 30. This is three and a third times normal. We gave more words of knowledge and prayed, and we had a, a hundred, is either 137 or 147, which is many more times. From that time on, ever since that night, Bill Johnson's church, we had 800, I had hundreds of people healed during those eight days. And we never, I've never seen it go back down to 3%. It's always been 10% or more in the meetings. Now, so I was preaching this in Sao Paulo, and I'm in this uh, amphitheater inside with a roof. It seats 8,000 people, and it's packed out. And I remember I've been watching this, so I got up, I made a declaration. But really, I want you to hear this. It really wasn't a strong faith declaration because it really didn't take much faith to say it because I now had a many, many, many meetings in a row. I've been keeping track. It's always 10%, at least. So I said, tonight, before this night is over, there will be at least 800 of you get healed. And you could hear the crowd, yeah, and faith just rise up. And I'm thinking, they don't understand. That's just statistics. <laughs> that's not faith. That's statistics. That's, that's an understanding of his faithfulness. So I had a translator who worked for me, uh, uh, a, a young woman. Her name was uh, Hafaela. And uh, one night we were ministering in this church, and she's translating for me. And, and, and I, I said, I believe that there's going to be, and I count how many people were there, got found out. I said, and I, I, I took about 10%. And then I, I said, and if it's really good service, I think we can have 20%. And, that, and I told her what that percent would be. And she looked at me and said, Randy, I think it's more. I said, well, what do you think? And she said, I think, I think we need to expect and ask God for, and she told me what it was. And I, I said, oh, my gosh, that's like 40%. I said, I don't have faith for that. And I mean, that's your number. Won't you do it? And she, said, <laughs> she said, I will. And so she went for it. And that's how many people we had that, that, that got healed. What it was was understanding the ways of God and understanding that our measure of faith was growing. Our expectation of what we had seen, it caused us to see things happen. I watched Bill about four years ago. I watched Bill move into somewhere. He got ahead of me. And he started giving words of knowledge and having people stand up and tell me, you do this and you'll be healed. And they would do it and they'd be healed. And I, I said, oh my gosh, I don't have faith to do that. 
And after several months of watching Bill do that, one time he walked by me and said, Randy, you're so close. You just got to step out and just, just tell him to do whatever comes to your head. Just tell him to do it. So I was down in North Carolina, and uh, I, had, I got a word of knowledge uh, for the a third lumbar vertebra. And about seven people stood up. And I, I said, okay. Tell you what, all of you got that lumbar vertebra problem? I want you to sit down as hard as you can seven times. Just sit down as hard as you can seven times. And when you get done, you should be healed. They did it. Five of them were, or six. One of them wasn't. Six were, and one wasn't. She's, I'm the same. I said, okay, do it again. So she did it again. And then she was healed. That gave me faith. I started doing that all night long. I took the video home to the Global School of Supernatural Ministry and I got in front of them. Guys, watch this. Look what happened. I'm your teacher. Look what I learned. I got to teach you what I just learned. Why did I say it? I don't have a clue. It just came in my head. Say that, you know. It worked. Not worked in the sense of mechanical, but having enough faith to step out on the water. Now, now you know why I do some of the things I do. There's reason. Because I've learned that it does help build faith. I'm going to do everything I can tonight to help create an atmosphere of faith where many of you can be healed. But I need you to be honest, truthful, and humble. Humble enough that you will acknowledge what is happening. You don't, if you have a problem, you don't stand up at the end of the, when I'm done. You stand up as soon as, you, as soon as it's called out. I just wished, usually I have five to 20 words of knowledge. I stood up here and started teaching tonight and didn't have any. I got one while I was giving it. And so I believe the others will come later. But I want to I give this one. I had a pain that came in the almost in the armpit, down a little bit uh, from it, on the left side in this area in here that just really uh, was hurting a while ago. And I don't normally have that, so it's not my pain. So if, I want to find out, is there anybody here that has a problem? It may not cause you pain, but you have something wrong in this area in, uh, over here in this side. Anybody? Do you have something there? Uh doesn't cause, but there's a problem. Uh, uh, see, sometimes that's the way. For those of us that's not really prophetic and we're kind of dull, we need pain. Because <laughs> the impressions are not as good. Okay. Uh, could you, t could you t do anything to know if you were healed or not? Okay. Somebody else have it too? Would you stand up as well? Why don't you stand up and you stand up? And just put your hand there, and then I want you to do like this seven times. And then I want you to do this seven times. <laughs> and 
And then I want you to feel and see if the lump's still there, if it's gone down at least 80% or more. All the time we do see people get healed with, before there's a prayer just by an act. Same size. What about you? It's feeling better. What about you? It's a lump. Did you do both ways? Now I want you to feel and see if it's the same size. Now, if we have to pray, it's, it's legal to pray. It's no, no problem in praying. But I just believe we're going to see people get healed tonight without prayer, just by words. Oh, yours on the right. <laughs> Two illustrations. As in Brazil, giving words of knowledge for physical healing of people with metal in her body. And there's a woman who has uh, bone spurs that so she cannot walk. She has to tiptoe. And for years she's been walking on tiptoes because she can't touch her heels to the floor. A friend says to her, while people are being healed of metal, the word, it's not even words, it's just praying for metal. She says, you ought to grab a hold of some of that healing for yourself. And she gets healed. It wasn't, we weren't even praying for that. In San Diego, I, I get a little mixed up looking at people this way, you know. And, and so your right is my left. I get confused. And I said, there's somebody here. You got a torn ra- rotator cup on your right shoulder. And this woman stood up. She starts crying, and she starts feeling it. There's power coming on her, and she's getting healed. And somebody said, did you say your right shoulder? I said, yes. Somebody, it's a rotator cup in your right shoulder. You're holding your left one. Oh. Oh. I got backwards. Yeah, it's a left one. And she's on second row. I saw her faith just. And, but she was being healed on the wrong word of knowledge because it created faith in her. And I said, you know, God was healing you. can be healed anyway, even though it was the wrong word of knowledge because he was already healing you. And she went ahead and came right out of that and, and, and got the healing. So just check it one more time. One more time. Is anybody better? So, uh, your pain, your lump's going down or the pain is getting better? Just seven and seven, that's fine. Feel it. See. You're getting better. Good. This is, I'm getting better. One hand. When you're 80%, it's two hands. So we got three people that's getting better. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I want you to continue doing this while I pray for you. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I command growths to disappear, command lumps to go down. I command soreness, tears, pain to go away. Whatever you need to do, God, we call it into effect in the authority of Jesus' name. God, I know you gave me this because I don't have any pain there, and I felt it, and this is the way I know you work. This is your way. I know you want to heal. We say yes. We say amen. We thank you for what's about to happen. We thank you for healing. God, we pray 
if you can cause an eye to be formed, we've seen you cause tumors the size of grapefruits to disappear overnight. In the name of Jesus, God, we bless them in Jesus' name. Command pain to leave in Jesus' name. Soreness to leave. Lumps to go disappear in Jesus' name. Now, just check it out one more time. And tell me how you're doing. It's smaller? It's smaller. Good. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What about you? Is it the same? Still the same? What is it? Torn rotator cuff or? That looked like it was straight up. Is that your use kind of shot? You just do it. You're doing it. Hey, where's the word? I tell you right now, dislocated shoulders. I've had I've had people that. I mean, I've seen the scars. They've, they've massive damage done. Guy actually had to throw the ball like this because he could not make this move. He threw it that way. He gets hit. You just did it just then. And I, I saw it happen to three guys in 24 hours. And it was just this miracle-like thing happening in, in that reconstructed soldier shoulder. How about you? About the same? All right. Yeah. Okay. Then we're going to keep believing for it. How about what's going on? About the same. Okay. Or right, we're going to believe God for more. We'll get some testimonies in, in a moment. All right. I want to watch. I want you to watch a video. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 13 says this, as it is written, we believed and therefore we have spoken. And in that same spirit of faith, we too believe and therefore we speak. Now the Lord quickened that to me and said, it's one thing to believe something. It's another thing to believe it enough you say it. There's no risk to believe it, but not declare it. But when you say what you believe is going to happen, that's putting faith with legs on it. That's faith expression and you need to say what you believe God's going to do it helps to create faith it can shift the atmosphere of what people are expecting now here's what I found out Bill and I were talking about in that book uh, Healing Unplugged we were talking about this that we discovered one if we whatever we talked about in the service we saw more of that in the service whatever healings we talked about we saw more of those and so we began to become more intentional. Here's what I discovered. If I show this video and said, and I said, I want to show you a video, and you watched it, almost usually nobody gets healed watching it. And the reason you don't get healed watching it, you're not expecting. But if I change and say what I honestly believe, which is something we see a high percentage of the time, that's why I'm saying it. If when you watch this video, if you see anything, something you have similar, 
then let it prophesy to you the test, the power, the test, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, which is inviting you into a repetition. I was in a meeting in Dayton, Ohio, at an African American church. In the middle of a, telling a story, I felt heat come on my left foot instep. I said, "I feel heat on my left instep." A few minutes later, a woman who had had her Achilles a foot almost cut off, hanging by the Achilles tendon, reconstructed and artificial parts put in it to reconnect it, lost the ability at 10 years old to curl her toes or to point her foot and couldn't run. She, hurt, she fell out of a window and it broke and cut her foot off, hanging by the Achilles tendon. She got healed. On Sunday, I go to Taipei, Taiwan or Singapore, one of those two, I forget which it was, but I told that story. At the end of the service, a, ja- a Chinese man with his daughter, adult daughter, came up and said, I had the same thing. My foot was almost cut off. It was hanging by the Achilles tendon. They had to reconstruct it, put artificial parts in it. I couldn't curl my toes or point my foot. When you told that story, it gave me faith that I could be healed of the same because I got exactly the same thing. And what's the probability? Did he tell exactly what my condition is, even though it wasn't a word of knowledge? And she gets healed. It was the power of the testimony that brought healing. So what you're going to watch is people giving their testimonies of being healed. And at, I want to, there's going to be three videos. One's longer than the other two. two are, uh, one of them is very short. And if you have anything similar, expect your healing. Let it release. Let it call forth from you your own healing. Okay? All right. Uh, Brazil, is it the Brazil Sun? No, Reading. Uh, Reading compilation, right? Okay. All right. I so believe you'll be healed. As soon as it's over, I'm going to ask you to try to do something you can't do, and then we'll see who gets healed. There's that eyes telling you about it. Eli. Eli? Yeah. What was your problem? What was the, what was, what have you um, A metal plate sticking out of my arm for years and in front of everyone. Like the, this, off her arm. It's the, always been that it way. It just went down. I, I don't... watched it go flat. Yeah. In an instant, I watched it go flat. <laughs> As we were praying over her, it disappeared. The plate's gone. She's always had that. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. gone. You can see it sticking out this far. All the screws that had come out were in my muscle. They were embedding. And so, can I just, I I have to. It stuck out like a mound on her arm Like, it was gnarly. Yeah. I watched it go thunk. There it is. Since, like, 2006. So, So for eight years or nine years. Yeah. She's had this huge plate coming out of her arm. She's had this huge plate coming out of her arm. Like a mound on her arm that was so visible. And I watched it as we were praying instantly. It went thunk and it was gone. (laughs) Praise God. Can I say one other thing? Um, In 2012, I got saved at the healing rooms in Santa Maria and I got healed of HIV and my heart valves got healed and I've got the 
the I have the proof, the medical proof to prove it. Yeah. And so I didn't think God would do more for me. And then they stood up and prayed for my arm and he healed me again. So <laughs> I had a disease in my ear and um, it's called colosteatoma and it ate away all the ear bones and the eardrum in my left ear. And I um, could only hear very loud noises like tractors and airplanes. Um, but I couldn't hear the TV and I couldn't talk on the phone and I couldn't hear my very quiet friend. Um, and this weekend, I, I think that just changed, and I, I think I can hear out of my ear just fine, and I can hear little tiny noises like rubbing my fingers together in this ear, and that is a total change, completely. So you said you had no ear bones, no eardrum, and you could only hear very loud sounds, yeah. and now you're saying you can hear a gentle rub of your own fingers in the midst of a crowd. Is that right? Yeah, in this noisy room, I can hear my little fingers and I can hear my quiet friend just fine. Incredible. <laughs> Praise God. That's my foot. My cricket foot. <laughs> that was my cricket foot. That was Excruciating. What was the level of your pain before you got healed? Can I say over 10? Yes. Because <laughs> a, a lot of the times, like, I couldn't even make dinner for my husband <laughs> or do anything with my grandkids. <laughs> What's the pain level now? It's your room. <laughs> Hallelujah! Woo! I was one of the people that stood up when he said crowbar, and everybody kind of giggled, but... um. I stood up because God had told me earlier when we were in praise and worship, uh, it's the crowbar. You're still holding on to that. A reason is, is that um, I suffered domestic violence and I was beaten with a crowbar. My neck was broken. My jaw was broken. I suffered loss of hearing and this year I couldn't hear at all. I wear a hearing aid. Um, the associate pastor and his wife could attest, they're my uh, in-laws, they're my brother's niece, so they're mine, um, that I can't hear. Um, but we were in praise and worship. He said, now I'm going to wash you clean. And I was there. I was kind of embarrassed, but I was just soaking. It was just getting wet. And I, I said, I better take off my hearing aid or else I'm not going to be able to hear. It's not going to work because they get wet. They don't work. So I took it off, and then I was saying, wait. Wait, I could, I could hear. I don't know how good I could hear, but I've never heard you before preach, even with a microphone, without the hearing aid. And tonight, I didn't wear the hearing aid. It went right into my Bible pocket, and I haven't put it back on. Because it was the crowbar, I guess, that when it beat me and broke my neck and my jaw, and God healed me inside my heart, because he said, it's not the hearing that you want. It's the healing inside that you want. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. Amen. Uh, amen. Now, the Lord had spoken to her 
and told her before, is this correct? Before I gave the word crowbar, Amen. he told you he was going to heal the crowbar issue yes. for you tonight. Yes. And then we get this word crowbar. So thank you for coming and giving that testimony. We And thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. All right. If any, any of you have anything similar to what they talked, what she talked about, uh, would you stand and check your body out? Anything similar to what they talked about? And just see if, just watch, there's been healing come. Try, see, you, sometimes you don't know you've been healed because you don't feel anything until you try to do something you couldn't do. And it's in the trying that often you find uh, healing has come.